You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. There's been a lot of talk about slut shaming, uh... There should be a lot of talk about slut-shaming all the time. We should talk about slut-shaming until it stops. Uh, I ran across a couple of weeks ago. A friend sent me a link or this week a friend sent me a link to uh, something I missed on the Nancy Grace show on HLN. Usually I'm glued to the television uh, for Nancy Grace because it's an appetite suppressant that I find to be very effective. But I missed this particular one. Uh, so I didn't get to see Sean Loftus uh, and his appearance on Nancy Grace's uh, horrifying hoedown. Uh, he's a middle school math teacher. Uh, he's got a master's degree. He seems like a pretty bright dude. Uh, everybody at his school loves him, thinks he's a great teacher. Uh, but he made some porn in his youth. And Nancy Grace somehow got him to come on her show for some ritualized sex-phobic, slut-shaming, porn-bashing humiliation. Uh, here's one little uh, clip that I thought was pretty telling. Um, sir, I realize yes. that to you, 25 porn movies may not uh-huh. be many, but to a lot of us, one is a lot. Yes. Sir, I realize to you, 25 porn movies, that was many, but to us, us meaning like the great American public, uh, that consumes shitloads of pornography. This is one of the things that drives me fucking bananas about the way people talk about sex on television. Uh, from those horrible to catch a predator shows where that horrible host would act like butter wouldn't melt in his ass and he's never heard of this internet thing and people are using the these tubes of the interwebs to find you know to, to lurk in chat rooms some of them are pedophiles but even he'd always feign shock that even adults might go to the internet in search of sexual contacts and sexual partners and this this sort of faux naivete that they trot out particularly on CNN for some reason. Like, oh my god, this internet. Have you heard of this internet? People are actually having orgasm. People are watching other people have the sex. And this – I'm sure that Nancy Grace, who kind of made porn in her appearance in Dancing with the Stars when her tits fell out of her dress, which is also all over the interwebs. And because if something exists in the world, someone somewhere is jerking off about it. Nancy Grace's tits exist in the world and they've been released into the wild on the internet and as distressing a thought of this might be, someone somewhere is jerking off to those tits. Um, and they seemed like lovely breasts, I have to say. Uh, that's my uninformed opinion. Like, what do I know? Uh, but just this like, oh my god, porn, uh, this this fake fucking revulsion. Nancy Grace lives and works in New York fucking city. You have to step over the porn to get into CNN's offices. And Grace you know, reveals her ignorance of porn. I realize to you, 25, you slut, may not seem like many pornos, but to us, now anybody who knows anything about the porn industry knows that they crank a lot of this stuff out. People appear in many scenes and many films. It's kind of a volume, volume, volume industry. So to appear in 25 films really isn't an extensive or remarkable porn career. Real porn stars 
particularly in this day and age, particularly in the days of internet pornography, will appear in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of scenes in films and shorts. Hundreds, thousands even. Someone like Jenna Jameson has appeared in hundreds of movies. That this poor, hot, bearish, sexy, gay dude appeared in 25 really is minimal. That's really kind of – it was like a sideline, a hobby, something he did for fun to make a little bit of money. It wasn't – he wasn't a porn star. It wasn't, I've never even heard of this guy. I ran his name by some friends who are porn nutbags, aficionados, followers, fans, and they hadn't heard of him. They recognized him after I showed them the picture. They hadn't heard him. He's not a porn star. But you should see Nancy Grace's face in this video. She's rolling her eyes and her big empty head pretend – Pretending that, oh my God, she knows nothing of porn. She's finding all this out as if, as if the men and probably many of the women who work at CNN, who are operating the cameras that are pointing at Nancy Grace's ugly fucking lying face aren't porn consumers. I mean that's the pretense on TV when they talk about sex on TV, that nobody, everybody, on, everybody on TV has just the normal sex and doesn't go in for anything strange and certainly doesn't consume porn, doesn't participate in commercialized sex cultures and waka, waka, waka. And the way Grace treated this, this guy who – go watch the interview online. You can find it on YouTube – who is nothing but charming and self-effacing. Uh, the way she treated him, slut-shaming. People would recognize it for what it was if – he had a vagina. But he does not have a vagina. He has a penis. And it just seemed like the sex negative dingbat blowing up at the dude that some people are uncomfortable uh, with as a teacher because once he took his pants off in front of a camera, which describes just about every American under the age of 40 now in our country. Everybody's got a little porn studio in their pocket these days. It's called an iPhone. Was slut shaming. And it was beneath CNN, not beneath Nancy Grace who doesn't know what shame is, uh, but it was beneath CNN. And uh, everyone who works at CNN who consumes porn, which is everyone at CNN, should be ashamed. Your call's after this. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog for a free trial and 30% off your new account for three months. Go to Squarespace.com and use offer code SAVAGE3. Hey, Dan, it's um, a person, Devin, it doesn't really matter if you know my name, um, and basically I have a question for my friend, um, you were just Skyping, and she has this problem, she's been in a lot of sort of like semi-long-term relationships, like six months to two-year kind of things since high school, and she always finds that when she's in the relationship, like she likes the guy, they get along, usually they're having pretty good sex, but then like she always ends up cheating on them, and so I kind of, I, so when we were older, I started saying, well, maybe you guys should do open relationships. And she started doing open relationships and she would get really jealous. And so basically, like, we kind of decided, okay, well, you need to be in an open relationship, but you need to be the only one who's open and the other person needs to not be able to be open. But that seems kind of unfair and her boyfriend is not cool with that. And they live together and they've been together for like almost two years. And she's like in this pattern again and she's, you know, she's with this guy they've been together for almost two years. She's cheating on him with this other guy she really likes. And like, they totally have this great setup and neither of them want that to change. Like she doesn't want to leave her boyfriend and be with this guy, but she also like feels bad. Like, is it okay that she's like serially having these other interactions outside of her relationship because she can't seem to find a way to make it work in like a labeled system of like monogamish or whatever. 
like, how does that work? Anyway, um, yeah, call us back or whatever and tell us what's up because we kind of are trying to figure out a way to be, like, ethical about this because she can't be monogamous, but she also gets jealous, and we're trying to work it out, and she's laughing at on Skype right now because she's, like, cracking up. I don't know why she's laughing. Uh, I don't know why you're indulging her, why you think this is funny necessarily. She's treating the man she lives with, the man she claims to love, badly. Uh, she is being a cheating piece of shit, uh, CPOS. And she doesn't really need to be a CPOS. Uh, you know, One of the things that you do when you're young and you're dating and you're making mistakes and you're screwing up is you are learning about yourself. You're learning about what you need and what you require and what will make you happy and content. And if what your insecure friend uh, and cheating piece of shit friend has discovered about herself is that she can't be monogamous but she's too jealous uh, to give you know her male partner the same sort of freedom to cheat that she's always granted to herself, uh, then she can get that. She can go and get that. This can't be news to anybody who listens to my podcast or reads my column that there are guys out there who – like being cheated on, who who call me and say, how can I talk my girlfriend into having sex with other men and telling me about it? That's my ultimate fantasy and she's not into it and won't go there. Um, those guys would kill to be with your friend. Um, that You say, you know, oh, that seems kind of unfair that she should get to have sex with other people but she doesn't want the guy she's with to have sex with other people. That's what they want. They want that basic unfairness built into their sexual deal with their relationship – with their girlfriend, these guys, these cucks, because it turns them on. So there's something in it for them. Your friend has something that guys out there want and it wouldn't be – you know that unfairness isn't then that really that unfair. Like on paper, yeah, she's allowed to do things he's not allowed to do but that's what turns him on. That he's restricted in that way and she's not. That she can do what she likes and who she likes and he doesn't enjoy the same freedom and is you know, aroused, humiliated, embarrassed, whatever by the cheating. So what your friend knows about herself, she's a cheater. She always will be a cheater. She can never be with one guy uh, but doesn't want the guy she's with, the guy she has a romantic long-term attachment to, to be with anybody else. Great. Fine. You can have that lady without being a cheating piece of shit. You can have that set up, that scenario ethically by going out there and finding yourself a nice cuckold guy who wants a hot wife who's going to cheat on him and tell him about it and rub his nose in it, sometimes literally. Uh, and that's what's in it for him. And then it is you know, unfair maybe to some observers on the outside. But in that relationship, that is uh, a magic thing and Farsi's for all concerned. So that's what your friend should do. Uh, easy and obvious to anyone who's been listening or reading. Surprised it didn't occur to you already. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 25-year-old male from Boston. Um, long story short, um, in my youth, I used to go on vacation with some of my cousins, and one in particular I would sometimes play uh, strip poker with of sorts, kind of a... Uh, Dr. Pruel, show me mine, I'll show you yours. And um, I kind of didn't, as I grew older, kind of thought, well, that was something I'd do when I was 12 and 13 and didn't do that anymore and fashion forward a, a decade or more. And uh, my sister got married this past year. And for her wedding, my cousin sent me a message who is now a 
born-again Christian to tell me that um, what I did was evil and if um, I ever spoke to her again, she would tell the authorities. And, uh, yeah, I've made uh, sort of a skiver between uh, me and my family. Anyway, uh, part of me wants to say to her, I'm sorry, I really never meant to hurt you. I didn't do anything that I thought was wrong at the time, and I'm embarrassed about it now. Part of me thinks she's uh, born again and will never be able to be talked to in a straightforward manner, and uh, uh, not really sure what to think of it or what to do. I'd love some advice. Thanks. The first thing you need to do is ask yourself, honestly, uh, whether there was any coercion involved here, whether your cousins were participating in these games of strip poker from a, the, the same place that, that you hopefully were, a place of innocent and friendly uh, sexual curiosity, the show me mine, show me yours thing, uh, and you weren't older, more domineering, more powerful, that there weren't girls participating in these games against their will who have been you know, stewing uh, in their anger and resentment all these years and now it's bursting out. Um, if that is not the case, if you were not being you – know, honestly not being coercive, you might want to check in with some of your other cousins who participated in these games. Um, it could be that she is sort of retroactively rounding uh, innocent you know, cousins gooping around sexual exploration, show me mine, show me yours, games to something abusive and evil and satanic to absolve herself from any responsibility because she may have participated in these games willingly and then when she became a born-again Christian, she wants to look back through her life and pin the blame on others for anything she might have done uh, before she welcomed Jesus into her heart. Uh, if that's the case, you don't need to feel too bad. You can apologize to her uh, if it'll heal the rift in your family, but you can apologize to her and say, I'm sorry that you feel this way and uh, you know, none of this certainly would happen now or happens now. We were all just kids and um, if you felt at all uncomfortable, even retroactively, I'm really bummed. And it sounds like you are really bummed. So that can come from an honest place. But you need to ask yourself. You need to think back and don't do any dickful thinking. You need to think back and think hard about your actions and whether – what was fun for you was a torment uh, or not entirely consensual for others. Uh, and if that's not the case, and I don't think that's something that you can judge uh, on your own solely. I think you should check in with some of your other cousins. You said it was plural, not just her, that engaged in these games about how they feel about them and how everything went down uh, at that time for them. And if you can honestly say again that there wasn't coercion, it wasn't abuse of power or authority as the older cousin uh, – you can chalk it up to her born-again Christian bat shittery and apologize anyway. And then if your family gets on you, just say normal, youthful, sexual curiosity, exploration, games. They sometimes get out of hand. In retrospect, sometimes people regret these things. I'm sorry. I regret them now too. But labeling them somehow rape or child abuse uh, is just to you know throw yourself off the deep end of the – sex, panic, paranoia pool that so much of the culture seems uh, intent on tossing itself off of. Hello, it's one of the tech savvy at Rescue here to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. Their all-inclusive service includes modules to build your website. The blog module includes import and export support for WordPress, Blogger, Movable Type, and TypePad, Flickr photo display. You can choose a thumbnail or a slideshow view. Twitter widget, 
Display tweets on your website in a customizable, great-looking format. Social media buttons to connect your website visitors to your networks on Facebook and Twitter. For a free trial, go to squarespace.com. Sign up for a free account. No credit card needed. Just try it out and start building your website. Then if you decide to purchase it, use offer code SAVAGE3 and get 30% off for three months. That's squarespace.com and use offer code SAVAGE3. So my boyfriend is 25 and I'm 20. We've been dating for about six months, but we met a year ago when he was uh, over here um, on an extended vacation right before he left to go traveling. I thought it was the end of it. But he started writing me letters, and we ended up writing and talking every day, and he decided to move back here, and I was kind of a factor in that. So when he moved back in September, we had lots of great sex, like three times a day. He was extremely affectionate, and we got along perfectly. It was very romantic, and everything seemed great. In the last uh, month and a half or so, he started being really distant and withdrawn. Uh, he has a really hard time communicating uh, that's just how he is, kind of an introvert. The only time I can really get him to open up is, like, to turn the lights out and cuddle with him. And, you know, that's the only thing that works. He has a history of depression. He moved here from the East Coast, and it's his first time living away from that area. Uh, I think he has some post-college depression. He just graduated uh, last year. And although he makes pretty good money at his job now, he uh, it's not really what he wants to be doing. Uh, lately, he doesn't want to kiss me, uh, which is a far cry from his extreme affection before. Uh, he admitted to missing his longtime ex, who's eight years older than me, and uh, even though he doesn't want to get back together with her or move back. Uh, sometimes he puts me down, uh, although I don't think he means to, and he, he when he pointed out, uh, he apologizes or or acts like it's a joke. Uh, he only wants oral now. He didn't seem interested in sex, and uh, he would even prefer having nothing uh, to having sex, <laughs> even if I give him oral with sex. It just seems like a chore to him. Uh, it makes me feel pretty unattractive, especially with the whole you no know, kissing thing. But he goes back and forth from asking me about non-monogamy and then saying, no, he just wants monogamy. Uh, I'm open to the idea, but... Uh, we're we're kind of shaky right now, so I don't know. He's been very jealous in the past, and he denies this, and he says, like, I don't care what you do. He's very good-looking, and most of his long-term friends tell me that girls fawn over him wherever he goes, but he doesn't really care much, and he's uh, they tell me that he's never really been as excited about a girl as he is about me. So what the hell is going on? Can I, I, I wanted to get you on the phone because I wanted to ask you if you're living with this guy. No. Good, good. <laughs> no, this I'm is going to make it so much easier. You need to break up with this motherfucker. Uh, how many different ways does he have to kick you in the face? He won't kiss you. He insults you. He will only deign to accept blowjobs from you in the sexual realm. <laughs> it's, you know, you, you yeah. say you're young and I don't want to pile on too hard. I'm being a friend. This is what friends do. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm young, but I knew that you were going to say that. And I'm, I'm pretty wise to boys generally. But this one kind of... Is hot. Uh, you just... Yeah, he's so fucking hot. That's what it is. That's like, why you're putting up with this The bullshit. epitome of, like, I will never find anyone as hot as him. And I know it's the stupidest thing, it but is. I have to be honest here. That's, that's what it is. That You know, sometimes uh, <laughs> hot is a lever. Uh, it's leverage for the hot person. And some hot people get into this, like, really weird pattern where they see how far they can push people and how badly they can treat someone before they bolt. And it's a way of 
you know, figuring out just how, how fucking hot you are or having that confirmed for you and having your ego struck. Because look how shitty I'm being. Look what a bad boyfriend I am. And she's back to suck my dick. Yeah. That's well, how fucking I, hot I, I am. Kind of... There are other hot guys out there. Yeah. <laughs> including nice hot guys. It's just that I don't understand how, I mean, I know it sounds pretty stupid probably from an outsider point of view, but it was like, I wasn't the one that was like, please, please come date me. It was like, I was getting letters and like, I know. and like, it was just genuinely the sweetest don't, person don't I've you ever see met. That, don't you see that as part of the ruse, part of the game? Like, oh, I'm so loving. I love you. I love you. I, I love you. So. I fucking hate you. Push you away. Insult you. Like, ramp back the sex. It's part of, you know, if he was an asshole out of the yeah. gate, you wouldn't have, even for hot, gotten addicted to him. Guess- you are now addicted to him. Yeah. And you need to pull yeah. the fuck away. You need to break up with him. Do yourself the favor. Give yourself the satisfaction of dumping him. <laughs> to have dumped uh, a hot yeah. person sometimes is almost as good an ego boost to have fucked a hot person. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, it's and so nice to have a little boy candy on my arm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say, I'm sure I've been where you are. I'm sure many, many, many people listening right now have been exactly where you are. You know, I remember dating a hot guy when I was as young and dumb as you. And I just I couldn't <laughs> let it go because I would I thought I would never get with somebody as good looking as this guy again. And my friends were jealous. And it was a yeah. the relationship was awful. It was a nightmare. And I hung in there in hopes it would turn around and hopes he would be as nice as he was when we first met again sometime. And he never was. And he was just... It was just so genuinely no, good for Yeah, him. maybe, maybe. Six months? I, just, I don't know, and I just have all these people who've known him for so long that are like, you know, I've never seen him, like, act this way. Like, he doesn't usually go for girls really at all. Then he's just, like, totally, like, well, he has into a, you. He has a weird way of showing it. Yeah, yeah. And how well, last just... night kind of something happened that I was just like, all right, it's the last draw, and I... Update. I don't know if he got it, but I pretty much told him I didn't want to see him anymore. So. What happened? Well, it was just like push me to the limit because I'm really horny and I need to get laid. And I was just kind of like had to persuade him to like, you know, have sex with me. And then he only he wants oral. He's really into oral and giving and receiving. And I'm totally into that, too. So I'm sitting on his face and we're having a great time. And um he, like, is very turned on, apparently, and comes pretty quickly. And I'm like, okay, well, um, I'm not done, so you got to finish and that. And he's like, oh, in a minute. <gasps> yeah, and then it was just, of course, like, no. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? He didn't understand why I was angry. I was like, that's really fucked up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. That's totally <laughs> fucked up. So you broke up with him? You didn't. Kind of. Kind of. I knew it. You well, left the, you know, left the door open did, to... But- Go ahead. I think maybe I did. I, I thought I broke up with him. I texted. It was like a text message. Like, look, I hope you find what you're looking for. But, you know, you, you're you just, you know, have good luck. And so I I thought I was breaking up with him. I woke up this morning and realized that maybe he doesn't know that that was a breakup. So I don't know. I'm just going to see if he gets it or not. Okay. Well, if he doesn't get it by the time this podcast is online, you should just send him a link. Okay. <laughs> say, say it now. Say, say it right now. I'm dumping your hot ass motherfucking hot boy. It's over. <laughs> say it. I don't want him to know that I think that though. <laughs> He's hot. He's already heard it. Say it. I want to hear you say it. I want it. I want those words to come out of your mouth. It's over. I've dumped you. 
Period. The end. All right. Thanks, Dan. No, I'm not letting you get off the phone until you fucking say it out loud. Oh, <laughs> it's over. Stop dumping you, you sexy boy that I'm not going to have sex with anymore. There are other sexy boys out there. You're 20. You're young. <laughs> don't don't buy the hype. Don't 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 like think so little of yourself that you you pulled this guy. You can pull another hot guy, and you can pull a hot guy who is an I'm emotionally abusive piece of shit. I have plenty of offers. It's just, ah, uh, yeah. I know. Sometimes the, <sighs> sometimes the most exquisite ones are the most fucked up. And what you do is you dive in, yeah. you enjoy them for a little bit, and then you jump away. Yeah. All right? true. And when he, you know what he says, too, though? He, he goes, um, when I confront him about it, and I can, he only can talk because he can't really talk to very well, like about stuff like that. You have to give like a safe space. What a he catch. says, um, I know you don't deserve the way I treat you, and I just turn into a monster, and I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know why I, I do this. And I'm like, what? what the fuck does that mean? You know why he does it? <laughs> because he can get away with it. Because he's being uh, a sadistic little narcissistic <sighs> fuckstick who is torturing you and other women to give him a sense of his own erotic power because it's not enough that he's beautiful. When he looks in the mirror, he sees a hot guy. He's got to fucking prove it to himself by being Mr. Nice and super attractive and lovely, lovely, lovely at the start. And then just beating the shit out of you. Now, maybe this isn't a long established pattern with him. Maybe you're the first girl he's ever treated like this, but this isn't unheard of this kind of behavior from a super hottie. And other super hotties who are out there listening, I'm not saying you're all like this. Please don't have shit fits. But there are some super hotties out there who use their looks to abuse people. Run. Fuck them once and go. Fuck them and go. Fuck them and get out. Have that romp in the hay with the like hot guy with the great body, the big dick, the beautiful face. Grind your pussy into his face. Have your orgasm. Get the fuck out. All right? All right. Good luck. So you're saying I should I should have breakup sex with him? I didn't say that. <laughs> okay. But you should feel free. This doesn't come <laughs> out. This th- we're recording this. Uh, this come out till a week from next Tuesday. So you have like ten days to go fuck that boy one more time. <laughs> All right. And take cool. pictures. Send them to me. And then no more. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Hi Dan. I'm dating a girl. My girlfriend for about, it'll be two years this May, and we're getting serious, and, you know, pretty much everything's part of the course. We have our hiccups, and it's interesting, but I love her to death, and I feel she feels the same way about me, and for all intents and purposes, I could see myself maybe one day marrying her. Um, the issue, and I, you know, very liberal definition of issue here, which I hope you would shed light on for me, is that she... In, or in all the two years, the, almost two years now that we've been dating, um, I've never gone down on her. I have never eaten her pussy. Um, it's just not something. This is at her behest, not mine. Uh, this is something that she just never wants me to do. Um, I've tried before. Um, I've made advances down there. Sometimes in the heat of the moment, sometimes I'll try to, you know, we have a very... We have a very good relationship. We, we can laugh at each other and make jokes and, and, and appropriate things. It, it's never really awkward with us. Um, and, I've, and I've tried parlaying it into 
you know, almost a joke sort of because the, the running gag in our relationship now is that this is something that we just don't do. Um, she says it makes her feel un- uncomfortable. Um, I-, I can understand her point of view. I-, I think she has that mentality like she's in a doctor's office and there's just nothing sexy when a doctor is poking around down there. Um, and she's having trouble, I guess she's having trouble getting into that, switching gears in the bedroom. But everything else is great. Uh, she lets me finger her. Um, we talked about doing anal one day. In terms of positions, we're always mixing it up. There's just something about her, you know, me eating her pussy that she doesn't like. And I'm only calling you now because our two-year anniversary is approaching, and eating pussy isn't something I particularly enjoy, but I love her, and I want to do this for her, but I also want her to want me to do it. So I guess my question is, should I just kind of let it go and hope that one day she, you know, changes her mind and out of the blue asks me to do it? Should I keep asking her and I feel like the answer to that is probably no because it's only putting her more and more on top. If I were your girlfriend, I'd sit on your face just to shut you up. That was the longest way of asking why won't my girlfriend let me go down on her that I've ever – I appreciate the detail and, and the background. Look, this is going to be a long war and, and she may never get there. Uh, you say that you like to eat pussy but you only like to eat pussy if she likes it. Well, what if she doesn't like to have – her pussy eaten. Uh, the price of admission to be with her may be going without cunnilingus the way you like it, which is liked. You like it liked. Uh, is that a price of admission you're willing to pay to be with her? Obviously, I think it is. You've been with her two years already and she isn't over it. Um, I think leaving that on the table, uh, not abandoning the issue. I, I mean keeping it on the table as a, a point of discussion when you guys talk about and you know check in about your erotic life uh, and your sex life. It's like this is something I really enjoy and I'd like to one day get there with you. I'd like one day for you to be comfortable allowing me to do this for you. Uh, and hopefully as she comes to see you as on her side and in her corner sexually, romantically, emotionally, she'll open up about what her hang-up is exactly. Uh, maybe she just swallowed the culture's nonsense about Vag being dirty and awful. Uh, maybe she had a, a really horrifying and scarring experience with a previous sex partner who went down on her and humiliated her about it, uh, about her taste or about her smell. Uh, maybe she was prone to UTIs. Maybe she, when people have gone down in the past, she got painful urinary tract infections and she's just not opening up to you about whatever her reasons might be. I don't think you need to corner her about it or badger her about it. I just think you need to say, you know, have this be one of those issues that comes up every once in a while when you guys talk about your erotic life and to get close during foreplay that you can kiss her on the belly button. You can kiss her on, uh, Below the belly button, you can kiss her with her panties on. Sometimes uh, folks who have these kind of physical hangups can get there with taking baby steps so long as you respect boundaries. If you can get her to say, you know, yeah, you can kiss my pubic mound when I'm wearing my panties, then do that. Don't start kissing her pubic mound when she's wearing her panties and then pull the panties aside in the moment because she seems so aroused. You think you can just go for it. Make her understand that she can trust you and you're not going to push past any boundaries she might have or issues she might have without her full enthusiastic consent and participation. And she may get there or not. And if she doesn't, it sounds like she's nice enough and uh, you love her enough that you might uh, be willing to go without this forever, which is sometimes, unfortunately, the case. Oh, 
Hi, Dan. I'm a longtime listener, lesbian in my 30s, um, and I'd like your advice on a little bit of a problem I'm having with my girlfriend. We've been together for about a year and a half, um, and we have this weird sex problem that I don't think I've ever heard you talk about on the podcast. Um, the problem for me is that when we have sex and I'm touching her, she starts laughing like 90% of the time. Um, and it's a little bit hard for me to sort of stay in the moment and stay focused. And I feel like, you know, she doesn't really know why it's happening. She says it's always happening when it feels really good. And like, it doesn't happen when I go down on her, but it happens when I use my fingers to touch her. And I just sort of feel like, you know, it's hard for me not to feel like I'm being laughed at and I would sort of like it to stop. I feel like it's sort of gotten to the point where, you know, it happens all the time, like I said, unless I'm going down on her. And I sort of feel like it's gotten in the way of like me being a little more assertive or playful or impulsive when we're having sex because on some level, I think I feel like she's laughing at me, even though I know she's not. Um, so she basically doesn't really feel like it's a problem. She doesn't know why it's happening, but she feels like it's always happened. And I sort of feel like, you know, that can't be the case. Um, so if you have any advice on potential causes of this, what to do from my perspective, what to do from her perspective, um, that would be great. People react in certain ways, different ways, and different people react in different ways to touch and to, to arousal. Uh, if this is how your girlfriend reacts, that during some sorts of erotic sexual touch, she gets the giggles uh, so long as she's not guffawing uh, or braying like a fucking donkey and falling out of bed in hysterics. I think it's something you have to learn to accept that you have to kind of change your point of view about. This isn't the way previous girlfriends have reacted. It's not the way ideally you'd like a girlfriend to react. But this is the way your girlfriend reacts and you have to understand – her laughter as positive sexual feedback and positive reinforcement. She has told you that when she's aroused, when she's turned on, when she's touched like that, she tends to laugh. You can stomp your feet. You can wish it weren't so. You can make her feel guilty and inhibited and she can try to suppress these giggles uh, unsuccessfully or you can – Roll with it and learn to appreciate your girlfriend's sexual response cycle uh, for what it actually is instead of browbeating her into pretending it is something that it is not. If it's a huge turnoff for you, this could ultimately be a deal breaker. If you can't change your thinking about the laughing, then maybe this is going to be fatal to your relationship. So you have to decide what means more to you, her or the kind of response you typically received from previous girlfriends when you touched them the way you touch her. If it's the former, you'll get over it. If it's the latter, you'll get out of it. Hi, Dan. I'm a 22-year-old woman from Kansas. Um, I was raised really religious. I didn't start having sex until I was 20, and then I immediately entered into a monogamous relationship with a guy who was about my age. The sex was really vanilla and left me unfulfilled. Um, I ended that relationship about six months ago, and since then, I've discovered how much I like dating and fucking older men, something to the order of 10 to 20 years older than me. I also recently have been fantasizing um, and thinking a lot about being dominated. 
about a week ago, I was on an iPhone app and started talking to a 40-year-old guy who described himself as a dom looking for a sub. We talked, exchanged numbers and pictures. Um, you know, I'm really into him. He seems into me. I even had him describe what he would do, uh, want to do to me, and frankly, it really turned me on. However, it's all theory for me at this point because I've never had anything like this um, at all. So I'm supposed to meet with him tomorrow in a public place. Uh, we're meeting at a bar halfway between our uh, houses just to kind of see if the chemistry's there and whatnot. Um, I don't plan on being physical with him at all tomorrow, even if I'm into him. However, if this is um, something I want to do, how do I go about being safe about it? Um, he told me that Dom's relationships hinge on trust. Um, how long do I wait before getting physical? Um, if we do, should it be like at his place or mine or neutral location? Uh, I've never told anyone about what I'm doing, like friend, my friends, and I live alone. So I'm wondering if I go meet him later, um, maybe not this first time, but do I need to tell someone where I'm at in case I like don't show up to class uh, for a week and end up murdered? They know that I was going to meet this guy. Um, I was just curious. I guess I'm just curious about how to go about doing this, like the procedure slash protocol for this type of exchange. I'm pretty young and naive, and I just don't want to be taken advantage of or end up murdered or anything like that. But this is something I really want to try. How'd the meeting go? Um, it went pretty well. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I still want to like pursue that interest. But I don't know that I want to with this person. What was it about no, him and what was it about him that that convinced you that he might not be the right guy? Well, I didn't just, like I don't know. I don't think he's like a shady person or anything. It's just like maybe not quite the physical connection. Okay. I think. And, and that's totally legit. You know, I want to I want to praise you up and down and left and right because you are doing everything right. That oh, you had an extended conversation, you got on the phone, you exchanged pictures, emails, you met in public at a a place that was neither convenient to, you know, jumping over to your place or his place, and at a time where you were not planning, you know, to do anything else except meet, get a feel for each other, part, and then think about it. Um, you're doing everything right except uh, the one thing you're going to have to do if you do find somebody you want to go forward with is you're going to have to tell somebody what you're doing. Okay. And tell the person that you're going to submit to that you've told someone where you are, who you're okay. with, and what you're doing. Did you end up getting this guy's real name? Yeah, I did. Okay. That's another important thing. You want to know people's real names. And may I ask uh, what it is exactly that he had described that you were curious about? Did it involve physical restraint? Um, yeah, it was more just about kind of being super aggressive. Um, not so much of, like, bondage or anything like that. Just, like, really aggressive, you know, hair-pulling, choking, that okay. kind of thing. Because the, the bar is set higher, I think, for, for trust if you're going to allow someone to restrain you. And yeah. You need to do a bit more due diligence before you are helpless uh, with some stranger. Yeah. Um, and you do yeah. you do establish trust. But you did, you did everything absolutely right, except for that last piece. Find – you have to confide in a friend about – who you are sexually, what you're interested in, and the sexual adventure you're about to embark on. Um, it's the okay. missing piece, the missing safety piece. And also, okay. I would encourage you to take baby steps. Sometimes uh, young people who are into power exchange or BDSM will you know, meet somebody who just describes the most kind of elaborate scenario and it's, it's like insanely sexy sounding um, – 
And it may be, you know, you may have been fantasizing about this kind of scenario for five or ten years, but the reality of it may not be as arousing as the fantasy was. And sometimes people will, you know, uh, buy the farm when what they really need to do is just take a walk around the field the first time. You know what I mean? But <laughs> okay, yeah. You may have been fantasizing about just an elaborate dungeon scenario for five or ten years, and someone presents that to you as a possibility, and you go for it, and what you discover is that fantasy wasn't in reality, it doesn't turn you on. So you don't want to be in way in over your head at that first experience and, uh, and incapable of you know, extracting yourself from it. So the first experience, right. if you know, what you're interested in is like crazy props and costumes, lots of crazy shit happening, do a little crazy shit and, and see if you like it. And there's going to be plenty of time over your life to get crazier and crazier with somebody you trust more and more. Okay. And Can also, I dip my toe in first? yeah, you do, you do your due diligence, and it sounds like you did it really well. I'm proud of you. Oh, thanks, Dan. And I would keep, I would keep at it, and keep auditioning guys. And remember, um, as a female sub, any guy who tells you that you're not really a sub, if you have limits, if you have demands, um, is uh, an abuser, has outed himself as abusive and not, and untrustworthy, okay. absolutely okay. untrustworthy. Any dom who comes at well, you with, you're not allowed to tell me what to do, and I'm not going to tell you my real name, and if you were really submissive, you wouldn't insist or ask or make any demands or have any limits, run like fucking hell from that guy. Okay. Okay, I was going to ask if there's anything I should kind of watch out for. That. I don't really know what I'm doing. That. that. Okay. And if it's somebody who's kind of a lifestyle dom who doms a lot of people, uh, as opposed to a guy who maybe is you know looking for a sex partner, a new sex partner to explore something new himself – but if it's somebody mm-hmm. who presents as, you know, I do this a lot, I'm really good at it, I'm very experienced, you can ask that person for references. You can ask that person oh, to okay. refer you to other women that he's played with. Okay. And if those women don't exist, he's a liar. <laughs> and if he's as <laughs> much a, you know, a BDSM scene player as he claims, those other women will be only too happy to vouch for him because that's part of what the BDSM community creates in theory is that kind of accountability uh, and feedback that makes it possible for people to establish trust and play. Okay. All right. I have one more quick question. Since it didn't go so well with this uh, guy last night, where do I? And then I just kind of stumbled upon him. Like, where's a good place for me? And I'm kind of like in the Midwest, not a huge city, not small, but not huge. And so where's like a good way, or is there a good website or somewhere I, I should go to find these type of guys? I think FetLife is a good place to start. You, you can take okay. out pers- online personal ads, find a place, okay, Cupid. Uh, if what you're looking for is kind of mild, controlling, dom, sort of older guy, that's something mm-hmm. that, you, you know, not somebody who's got like a crazy tricked out dungeon. That's something that you can just be <laughs> a little bit honest about and kind of a normal dating website that Okay. You're young, you're into older guys, you're kind of into dom guys, and you have some kinks. And then list your other interests. Be yourself. It's not all you are or all you're looking for. And you might want to look around, depending on how much of the BDSM scene you want to get into. If you just Google the name of your city or the nearest large city and munch or BDSM group or community, you may find your way to, Uh uh, to an organization pretty quickly. It's not that they're not that hard to find and they exist in most Midwestern cities because Catholic. Catholic Church makes kinksters. Okay. Okay? All right. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you for your help. Hi, Dan. I'm a 30-year-old bisexual uh, woman, and I'm calling in reference to the woman who had the torn labia and the traumatizing um, after-birth time where she had been 
really into sex and then lost her libido after having her first baby. And I wanted to say that as a vagina haver who has done a lot of breastfeeding, I have four children and my youngest is nine months now. And um, I definitely experienced uh, tearing when I gave birth the first couple of times. And I do think that that's an issue, but I think that for me, I actually have had increased libido after um, after healing from birth, and so I don't think breastfeeding is necessarily um, a libido killer for all women, definitely. I would say that I have had bad experiences with hormonal birth control, so I would think that maybe she should look into trying some different kinds of birth control options and see if that helps. I would also really encourage her to get counseling, maybe from a sex-positive midwife or doula, again, like a sex-positive or birth-positive midwife or doula, maybe not her doctor who says there's nothing wrong with her when obviously there is, because it seems to me like a lot of her trauma is about you know, her vagina being maybe in pain. And if she could fix that, um, you know, maybe things could get better for her a little bit quicker than just waiting for years and years and years until she stops being a mom of young children. Hi, Dan. Uh, I'm the mom of two, and I'm calling in response to episode 283, the woman that was worried about not wanting sex um, and worry about why she didn't want sex. And I think you were spot on. It does come back, but it takes a while. Um, she did mention also that she's on non-estrogen uh, birth control. I'm assuming she means she's on the mini pill. The mini, mini pill made me crazy. Um, there are other ways to not get pregnant when you're, birth, when you're breastfeeding, and I suggest that she explore that, like maybe getting a copper IUD or, you know, there's some other options out there. But um, hope, hope it gets better for her. Hey, Dan. I'm calling in response to podcast 283, the woman who used to have the supercharged libido, but doesn't since she's had the baby. Um, I would say as much as she has doesn't like the idea of faking it, um, sometimes faking it till you make it works. I mean, we all know when you have more sex, you end up wanting more sex. So I'd say, you know, let your husband go down on you. Use a vibrator, let him rub your clit, whatever. Sooner or later, the connection between the brain and the pussy will start to reconnect and um, just kind of let it happen. And it's not, unless it's painful, you know, give it a shot. Sooner or later, probably sooner, it'll start working. And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question or comment for a future show, give us a buzz. 206-201-2720. If you want to make sure your comment gets attached to the show, go to thestranger.com slash lovecast, uh, where every episode of the podcast has its own comments thread. You should follow me on Twitter, uh, at FakeDanSavage. And, of course, coming up soon on MTV, Savage You premiering April 3rd. Please check it out. Uh, that's it. Me and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. We'll be back at you next week. Another installment of Savage Podcast. Thanks for downloading.